Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of EO Fire and welcome to Master Leadership. Great leaders ask great questions and this podcast takes you on a journey to master leadership with questions that matter to leaders who matter with your host, Lily Sinabria. Hi, this is Lily, and today we have the honor of having Dr. Kenneth Graham with us. He's in the midst of his first year as the superintendent of schools for the Sachem Central School District in Long Island, New York. Due to several recent retirements and turnover in cabinet-level leadership positions, Ken is in the enviable position of creating a new central office team to lead the second-largest suburban school district in New York State. Prior to arriving at Sachem, Ken spent two decades working in the Long Beach Public School District in various capacities, including science teacher, coach, K-12 Director of Science, and most recently, the Assistant Superintendent for Curriculum and Instruction. Ken's work in Long Beach was always student-centered with a focus on high expectations for teachers and students, providing opportunities for all, and to supporting all students in their learning. Dr. Graham is a graduate of Fordham University's doctoral program in Educational Leadership, Administration, and Policy, where he studied the tracking and acceleration practices in suburban secondary schools. Ken now teaches in the leadership program at Fordham, teaching courses such as Fundamentals of Educational Supervision, Strategic Planning and Implementation, Politics and Policy, and Boards of Education to Pre-Service School Administrators. Ken is excited about cultivating deep relationships and trust within the Sachem School District to pave a pathway for meaningful change and improvements for the district. Welcome, Dr. Kenneth Graham. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you, Lily. Great. So as you know, this podcast takes us on a journey to master leadership. And we want to do that today by asking you key questions. So are you ready to pour into our listeners? I think I'm ready. I think you you are. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So Ken, can you share a bit about your leadership journey and what you're doing now? Sure. I I think a lot of my leadership journey started out as participation in high school athletics um, and then going on to collegiate athletics. Those experiences in in athletics and sports poised me for I think leadership positions I went in to be a classroom teacher um, and as a classroom teacher I was also a coach and so I continued some of those experiences that I had as an athlete and then from there I um, pursued some formal leadership positions because I had experience with some informal you know participation in the union in the school district participation with student groups uh, that were focused on leadership And so as I pursued those formal leadership positions, I was the director of science, I started to enjoy what I was doing more and more. And I started looking at the zone of influence that I could have that, you know, when I started working with teachers, I was able to essentially impact more students. And then when I started working with entire departments or school districts, I was able to influence even more students all said and done. So Mm -hmm. that's how I ended up here. That's my pathway to leadership. And right now you're the superintendent of Sachem. I am the superintendent of Sachem, which is 
the second largest uh, suburban school district in New York State. So it's big a, responsibility. It, it's a big responsibility. It's my first superintendency, and it's been a fantastic way to start. Great. So how would you describe your leadership style? I would say that my leadership style would be democratic. Well, that means a lot nowadays. <laughs> it does. I'm looking for collegiality from the people who I'm working with at all levels in our system. I seek input from all stakeholders within our system. You know, for example, when we're looking to do something that's going to have a direct impact on students, I want to know from the students themselves mm -hmm. uh, what they feel or how they feel about that potential change. So it's seeking out advice and input from all stakeholders. I also am looking for you know, a leadership team that's not necessarily just looking to tell me what I want to hear. And so it's nice to have a group of people who's able to have honest and candid dialogue about the decisions that we're making and how those decisions will impact our mm -hmm. system. So when you talk about seeking the input of students, how do you do that? I've been attempting to make this rather large school system feel small in a lot of ways. And that's difficult to do, it's a challenge. But I've been able to carve out some time to be in classrooms. For example, the other day, I went in and taught at one of our high schools six English classes to 10th graders. Wow, and you taught the classes. I did, I taught the class and I designed the lesson so that we were getting outcomes from the students that would help me determine what types of activities they found engaging in our school. And I was most interested in finding out from our 10th grade students what their aspirations are for when they leave our high schools and then what we need to do starting in kindergarten and going all the way through 12th grade to make sure that we're preparing them to meet their aspirations. And what did you find? Well, I found that the aspirations are all over the place. We have some students who um, were able to tell me the dorm that they wanted to live in at the <laughs> university, who their roommate was going to be. Visionary. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> Down to the, you know, they were going to get married, have three kids, be a neurologist, and have a white picket fence with uh, three puppies. And then we had other students who knew that they were going to follow in the footsteps of their parents, perhaps, and take over the pizzerias or become a police officer. And then we had other students who weren't quite sure yet or hadn't thought about it yet. And so what was interesting to me about that process was that if they hadn't thought about it or if they had, I was encouraging them to start at this time and to continue th to think about what their aspirations were. So I think it was nice. It was a good kickstart to some of our students. And it was a great opportunity for me to connect with students and for them to see the to man get behind, to know the, you, yes. yeah, behind the snow cancellation phone calls. You know, It the, must have been the, a fun day. It was a great day. It was tiring. I was really <laughs> exhausted at the end I of bet. it. I bet. Yeah. <laughs> the teachers got a little break. They did, but the teachers participated in, uh, in all of the classroom lessons. And I think that they were happy to see me in being able to step into that role. Yeah, in the trenches, if you will. Wonderful. Okay. So which quote or quotes about leadership speak to you and why? I think that talking about leadership, I would think of a quote that's something to the order of believe you can and you're halfway there. And that's Teddy Roosevelt. And as a coach, I used to take my own spin on that quote. And I used to say to all of my athletes, if you say you can or you say you can't, then you're right. It's this idea of mindsets and uh, believing in yourself and your potential to achieve anything. Mm -hmm. And so what I'm really trying to think about is not 
considering obstacles in our system, but thinking about ways that we can do things. And so if we're looking at a change to curriculum or a change to instructional practices or a change to scheduling, then I would challenge all of us in our system to ask, how can we achieve this change and make sure that it's beneficial for our students rather than dwelling on the things that would prevent it? Yeah. Hmm. So, you know, I believe that in order to be an effective leader that you have to know how to coach people. Mm -hmm. And the fact that that's in your background, that's what you did, um, Mm -hmm. really helps to inform your leadership here. Is that right? I think so. When you're an athlete on a team sport, you perhaps are reliant upon a lot of people. I was involved with running. So as as a runner, track and field, cross country, you don't necessarily have to depend on every single person on the team. Mm-hmm. As a coach, you do have to be mindful of every uh, student on the team's strengths and weaknesses mm-hmm. and make sure that you're uh, coaching toward those and then hopefully seeking to have all of your students improve. And I think the same applies to leadership, leadership. Mm-hmm. You know that you have to look at all of the people within your system and then identify strengths and areas of challenge and make sure that you work on those areas of challenge with everyone. Okay, great. Now, what type of leader are you inspired by and why? A lot of the interesting things that I have read on leadership or you know, my thoughts on leadership are really around social justice and people who are standing up for what would be perceived as injustices. Mm-hmm. You know, so, you know, people who are interested in challenging the status quo or the institutions that we have in place for the betterment of others for the betterment betterment of all Mm -hmm. and not just accepting things for the way they are because that's how they've always been you know so certainly people who have social justice as their lens and you can think of you know rather famous examples like martin luther king and Mm -hmm. gandhi and mandela and some of those people are who i would consider the most inspiring leaders Right. I often think about the quote, um, be the change you wish to see mm-hmm. in the world. Absolutely. And, um, that's that's mine. <laughs> yeah. And if, if people can live that, yes. uh, then I think we can achieve fantastic things. I think so. So what's the best advice you ever received? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I we've all probably received a lot of advice. As a superintendent, you are getting advice all the time. Sometimes right. it's unsolicited advice. <laughs> Uh, I've gotten great advice from my wife. I've gotten great advice from my parents and and from teachers and administrators. But I think most recently I've had this tidbit of advice that is just so simple. It's probably something we learned in kindergarten as well. It's this idea of, you know, be nice and don't be foolish or don't do dumb things or that kind of thing. So much of what we do just comes back to that. You know, even if we're making these rather complex decisions on a daily basis, at the same time that we're making very simple decisions, if we can just live by those two rules, you know, just be nice to people right. and then don't do foolish things. <laughs> those, that's it's, good advice. Right. You know, your grandmother would tell you. Yeah, yeah. Or, kin, or a kindergarten teacher, like I said. That's right. right that's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So to be an effective leader, I believe that you have to have a good team. Mm-hmm. So what does it mean to have a good team and how would you build one? It's not easy in education because oftentimes you don't have opportunities to build a team. You're either inheriting parts of a team or a whole entire team. And then, you know, people are part of an institution and they stay in that institution. I've been fortunate enough to step into a leadership position here in Sachem where I have four assistant superintendents in our cabinet 
And of those four positions, three have become vacated this year, just a transition time for our district. So as I've started to fill those positions and as I continue to, I'm looking for people who have similar mindsets as I do. And I don't mean somebody who thinks exactly everything that I say is correct, but somebody who has a similar lens in terms of we're here to serve children and that all of the decisions that we make should be through the lens of, well, how is this better for children? And so when we hired an assistant superintendent for business, I was looking for somebody who was going back to that I can or I can't quote also, thinking about somebody who, if there were changes that we want to make in the name of children, how can we make that work? And is it in the best interest of our kids? And so assembling a team with those types of people and people who are also going to be comfortable with speaking their mind, comfortable in their own leadership, and respecting relationships. Mm-hmm. You know, like I said earlier, I think this is an opportunity for me. People don't often get that opportunity to fill free leadership positions, right. key leadership positions in a very short time. And so I'm poised to, I think, so build get a fantastic pick. team. That's yeah. right. <laughs> it's great. And you get to grow together. That's right. That's yeah. wonderful. And help each other along the way. Mm-hmm. So can you tell us about a challenge that you've experienced and how it has shaped your life? You know, I consider myself really fortunate. Certainly it is a blessed life, and I don't want to trivialize a challenge, but, you know, I'm thinking back to athletics, Mm -hmm. and it was uh, an experience where I experienced defeat, or, you know, I was on the outside looking in of, of a situation, and I didn't feel that I had performed as well as I should. And I took that as what I would consider to be a pivotal uh, point in my life where I made a decision that I was going to work much harder and I put in a lot of time and we all know hard work it needs to be cultivated and and then it germinates it's not mm-hmm. something that happens overnight and I spent this it's a process it's absolutely a process and so I spent a long time working hard and it paid off and I think that that idea that things don't come easy all of the time and if you want something to work it has to be a process. You have to put that hard work in. You have to put time in. But then the, the rewards can be significantly great. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's been, I, I think, just that, that piece of being disappointed and taking that disappointment and making something positive out of it has been uh, defining for me. Mm-hmm. You know, that concept of process is very interesting because I know for me, I tend to want things to happen. Yeah. <laughs> and in leadership, to be effective, it's the law of process. Mm. There are things that take time and to understand that, but always having that vision ahead. So so when you speak of process, it speaks to my heart because yeah. that's something that I'm I'm absolutely developing, even through this podcast. Right. Yeah. It's it's important. Um even right now, being six months on the job here, I'm taking some time right now to really develop strong relationships with people, to develop trust. And so that we can continue with that process, because otherwise people do want things to happen very quickly. Yeah, if we're going to make changes, we want changes that'll stick and changes that will, you know, outlast me or any other superintendent here. Um, And sometimes making those changes so quickly can unsettle people and make them feel unsafe. So, so yeah, I get that. Thank you for that. Um, Now, can you tell us about one of your greatest successes and how it has shaped your life and the life of those around you? I think that by far my greatest success would be, you know, having my wife and my three children. Um, Good answer. Yeah, right. (laughs) We've raised three children that I would consider to be independent, responsible, risk takers. They're 
14, 12, and 11, and they have aspirations. And so I think that that's my greatest accomplishment, and here's why it helps me as a leader. When I am cautious or uncomfortable with a situation, I'm constantly mindful of how my hesitancy will impact my children. And when I want them to be risk takers, it's important for me to be a risk taker, mm-hmm. you know, and to lead by example. And so if I have any cautiousness from within about things and I don't feel comfortable with them, sometimes I'm forced to go outside of my comfort zone so that I can set the example for them so that they'll be ready and poised to do that later in their lives. That's very thoughtful. Yeah. I'm sure they, I mean, they watch us all the time. Yeah. And even when you think they're not watching They're you. watching us all <laughs> of the time. <laughs> yeah. You know, the students as well. Yeah. They watch your leadership and yeah. that has a great impact. Yeah. Now, what would you tell a new leader mm-hmm. who's discouraged about their working climate or culture? I think that all of these jobs can be discouraging at times, right? Any leadership position because maybe changes aren't occurring as quickly as one would would hope or want. But my advice to those people would be to spend some time developing those relationships so that even if they're unable at the time to make changes as quickly or as large scale as they would hope, that they can begin working with small groups of people and have that spread out across the organization. And that doesn't mean to only stick to the people who you're comfortable with, because then you're going to be accused of um, putting yourself in a silo and separating yourself from everybody. But I mean, getting out there and developing relationships that will help foster a culture where people can make change. Focus on the relationships. Okay, great. Now, many leaders describe themselves as lifelong learners. Mm -hmm. What does that mean to you? And what are you learning now? I think that um, someone who's a lifelong learner is open-minded and they're a consumer of information. Gosh, I'm learning all of the time. Right now, I'm learning just the complex relationships in a district of 13,000 students <laughs> and you know thousands of employees right. and who knows who. And um, So how do you start that? I mean, you're new here. Yeah. Is this your first year here? This is my first year here okay. in the district. So I, I think it's just... Um, you know, learning that process is just as simple as stopping and making certain that you're saying hello to everybody and taking the time to look people in the eyes, get to know them, ask about their family, you know, start to build those types of relationships and and treating everybody the same, not just somebody in a formal leadership position in your district, but, you know, asking every single person in your organization who they are and how I can help them. Mm -hmm. And those are things that I've been focused on uh, thus far here. So that's something I'm learning just at a very basic level, just learning my way around here. You know, there are a lot of advances in technology that uh, we can all learn about. But when it comes to lifelong learning, I think it's something very simple. Like I'm not savvy with regard to mechanics, right? So if I need to learn how to fix a spark plug on my snowblower or something like that, I'm watching YouTube and learning about it. So I think there's just a lot of opportunities for us right now to learn about everything. And it's part of that risk-taking, pushing yourself outside of, uh, of your comfort zone and taking a risk to learn about all of these things. So you're kind of like on a learning tour or a listening tour of your district. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Right now I am attempting to learn everything or as quickly as I possibly can. Mm -hmm. You know, when I started here in in July, I had set out with um, an entry plan just defining some of the activities that I would uh, take on during the first 100 days. 
And just recently in January, I had presented to the board and to the public about some of my findings, mm -hmm. and I've identified some strengths in the district and some areas that I think we need to continue to focus on and then started to think about long-range planning for those changes. Okay, great. Yeah. So what have you read that our listeners should read and why? It's funny. I, I was thinking a little bit about what I've read. You know, I've read all these outdoorsy kind of books. It's just because of who I'm into. Mm -hmm. And I, so I, I like a lot of like John Krakauer's books, Into the Wild uh, and uh, Into Thin Air. Mm -hmm. And then I was thinking about other books that I've read recently, especially that I'm interested in, books about running, running with the buffaloes, running with the Kenyans. And so I was thinking about them and saying, well, why would I say that these are my favorite books and anybody should read them? And I think that they're all qualitative studies of things that are taking place around us and charting an adventure or a journey. And so taking risks, taking risks. Right. So I would certainly recommend any of those books, um, although I guess if the reader is not interested in <laughs> the outdoors or in running, that they mm -hmm. perhaps wouldn't find them as interesting as I have. I guess the bottom line is, is read as much as you can, as often as you can. Um, and there's a lot of great stuff out there. You know, certainly from a leadership perspective, some of the reading that I found most influential is the philosopher Paulo Freire, Pedagogy of the Oppressed, going back to how I mentioned before, this idea of social justice and really thinking about education as a key to helping people who are oppressed in any way. Okay. So what do you do on a daily basis to set your mind for the responsibilities you have? Every day I get a great night's sleep. That's important. Yeah. You're the first one who has said that, mm. I have to say. I try to do that, and I don't always hit the mark. Yeah. But I think that's so important. Why is that so important? We all need this time to mentally shut down, and I've been very intentional about it. Although, and this happens to everybody, I'm sure I'm not the first person to say I try to shut down at some point. But I do try to be very deliberate about shutting down at some point and just having some downtime mentally. And that, I think, is also a piece of sleep, you know, is that mm -hmm. once you give your body an opportunity and your mind an opportunity to really just release some of the stress and the tension of the day, then that prepares you for a good night's sleep, and then you feel fully recharged by the next day. You know, and then I start my day the same way. I start my day with, you know, a walk outside with the dog and my wife, and I get my kids ready to go, and I spend some great time with them. And by the time I arrive in my office, I am ready to take on all of the challenges that this job throws your way or any leadership job throws your way. Because you've had a good night's sleep. I've been rested, right? That's, <laughs> I have a lot of those basic rules, right? You know, like uh, be nice and uh, <laughs> get a, get a good night's sleep. sleep, right? I think that throw some cookies and milk in there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, I love that because if we don't take care of ourselves, right, yeah. as leaders – First of all, you need to be around. Yeah. If you're a great leader, great. We want you around. Yeah. But we need to really take care of ourselves, and often we neglect this. And so I'm really happy you said that. Yeah. Um, is there a ritual that gets you to a point where you just let go of all that stress so that you can sleep? Because we need the yeah. information. Well, you know, the first thing is being very deliberate on the iPhone or, you know, shutting off the email account for work. So I don't check. Uh, I'm one of those, you know, slightly OCD people where if that red number is on the email. You know, I need You're to check it. One. I don't. Yeah, <laughs> I don't like there being a, a little number there with something an email. you haven't done. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. So I, I shut that off every night. 
it's the swipe of a finger, but I've let people know that if they need me and it's something very important, if they text me or call me, I absolutely will respond very quickly mm-hmm. in a heartbeat. Right. But the emails, we can wait for. And okay. I think that's part of that uh, routine that's getting me to shut down. And then, you know, when you have children at home or a family at home or pets or any other responsibilities, when you get home, you have to make sure you're present for the things that are occurring at home. Right. And so that balance between work and your home life is important. It's absolutely important. And probably everybody in a leadership position struggles with finding that balance, you know, because it's very easy to let the job or the leadership position take over. So, so far, you've been here six months. Yeah. How's that going? So far, I've been able to find balance. Uh, Because you're intentional. I think because I'm very deliberate about it, yeah. And that if you're not intentional about it, then I think that the leadership position, the job is just going to take over. And I think you have to be very mindful of that. Mm -hmm. So if you were to go back in time, Ken, what advice would you give the younger you about leadership? I think it has to do with the people around you. And if somebody was interested in pursuing leadership, I think that they should look all around them, uh, that there are great people doing great things all of the time. And that often you may get caught up in looking to see what the principal is doing or what uh, the department head is doing or the superintendent. And then you get caught up in this potentially negative cycle of what is that person not doing as well. And I just think that if you can look for leadership qualities and characteristics in people all around you, you know, the conversations. Or the value in people. Right. The value in all of the people, in your students. Um, if you could look for the good things, let's say, of a a community service project that students are involved with or be impressed at something that our students are doing that you go, gosh, I can't believe kids are doing these things. Mm -hmm. I would look for leadership in everything that's happening all around us and take bits and pieces and use those things to help you form as a leader. Okay, great. Um, Is there anything that we haven't addressed that you'd like to share with our listeners? You know, just my advice would be to get out and to know the people in your organization. And I think that that goes a long way and that will create a space for you to make positive changes as a leader. You can't just go in and make changes with one fell swoop. No, we, we've ex- we're experiencing a yeah. lot of that. Yeah, right. Yeah, we are from yeah. the federal yeah. and the state level and, yeah. and the powers and the relationships. And I truly believe that. Yeah. And even if you were making good decisions it's so unsettling yeah it, it makes people feel unsafe so you're speaking wonderful things and, and also be nice right yeah. <laughs> yeah go back to the basic rules be nice yeah so ken i want to thank you so much for taking the time to add value to my life and to also add value to our listeners thank you lily thank you for the opportunity it's been fantastic this was fun yeah good thank you Great. Hello, leaders. Don't forget to go to masterleadership.org to find out how to get a free coaching session from one of the exceptional leaders that are featured on this podcast. Until next time, bye.